0: Hello fellow human beings, welcome to this new episode of the Pearl Dialogues. My name is Wazi, and together with Elin I host this podcast where we explore the nature of reality through the lens of the diamond approach. If you are unfamiliar with that teaching, this teaching, you can find more about it on yodacommunity.org and there is an intro page there that describes what this is about. But essentially, we explore the nature of reality and how to actualize our human potential. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Greg Knight. And we dive into some very interesting topics. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation uh, slash interview where we talk about how to bring spirituality into practicality in everyday life we talk about the shift from a more self-developmental personal growth orientation to the non-dual boundless dimension. we also talk about body practices that are relevant for the path a really good episode As always, I invite you to sense yourself to be in the present moment, like while listening. This is a big part of what we're offering here. One thing is to have the intellectual stimulation and the development of our mind, but also to receive the transmission energetically uh, is a very important aspect of this podcast. If there are any terminology that we use you are unfamiliar with or don't understand, you can go to our glossary on the diamondapproach.org. The links are all in the description and the show notes. Finally, I have created a Google form where you can share some feedback on this podcast. So if you've listened to two or more episodes, it would be wonderful if you fill that out. And I may reach out to you and uh, yeah, ask you if you want to have a conversation and talk some more. That's all I have to say. So much love. And yeah, enjoy. So I actually thought I would begin by reading your short bio on your website. Okay. So here it reads. Greg Knight is an ordained Diamond Approach teacher and certified advanced rolfer. Greg did his undergraduate studies in philosophy and psychology at the University of Chicago and has been studying and teaching bodywork, movement education and spiritual inquiry since the late 1980s. Greg has been practicing rolfing since 1994 and a student of the Diamond Approach since 1996. Rick works with clients and students in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, as well as by Skype. Oh. Yeah, that was a short and sweet little intro.
1: I'd uh, forgotten I'd written that. it's back in the Skype days. In the Skype days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, before Zoom.
0: Ah, before. Zoom. Nice. I
1: appreciate reading that. Yeah,
0: wonderful. Yeah, so I hear you've been in the school for many years now and also been doing rolfing. Um, do you have any, how how do you feel that the, if you could just share so shortly the practice of rolfing and potentially how rolfing you feel has contributed to your diamond approach
1: work? Do you have any? Yeah, roles? yeah, I can talk about that. So rolfing is a a specialized form of body therapy and movement education for addressing long-standing patterns of holding and strain in the body uh, and doing it in such a way to bring the whole body into better alignment with gravity, i could say. Um, so the main part of that work is, you know, hands-on with a, with a client, you know, uh, you know, sort of it's somewhere fits between it. Someone knows what massage a massage therapist does and what an osteopath or a chiropractor does. Rolfing's kind of right in the middle of that. So it's, it comes out of a lineage more of the osteopathic chiropractic world in, in that it's interested in alignment uh, of the body structure. But instead of manipulating the body by to bring alignment through manipulating bones and joints, the way most, you know, predominantly osteopathic chiropractic does, Rolfing's about manipulating the soft tissue structures that hold those bones and joints in place. Hmm um so the fascia connective tissues things like that um i uh it's an interesting story for me um because you and you're reading my bio you also talked about you know my academic background um, so they fit into each other and actually leads into my tie into the diamond approach so i can make a little story of it yeah uh, um when i was in college and even before college, like my last year of high school and, and getting into college, I was very interested in questions about how you how a person knows themselves on, on the one hand. And also questions about sort of psychological stress and suffering and um, but particularly questions about identity and, you know, how do we even know who we are? And I was fortunate to have some professors who were wonderful and interested in those questions. And um, so I was going down that route and you know, thought I might after college go into study philosophy or psychology or some something like that. At the same time, I was very interested in the body uh for fun, for exercise, but also as a vehicle for exploration. It felt important to me. But like this is part of my These questions about identity somehow are part of what's happening with the body. So at that time, I was doing things like Tai Chi and yoga and Qigong and very serious about that. And I was looking for links between those worlds. And at some point, I came across some writings by Dr. Ida Rolf, and it just was interesting. She had this interest in the human form and body and organization of the body and health, but she also had this. You know, philosophical bent. You know, is interested in helping humans be better humans. Um, and it just like you know rang a bell and uh, sat, you know, in my mind. And uh, as I finished college and you know was thinking about what I might do next, some things that were interesting became less interesting. I you know or looked not as what the right path for me. I thought about going to medical school too, and just different things that just didn't you know light up and uh and the rolfing idea i was like maybe i should circle back to that and um actually remembering a couple seminal professors who were really helpful with that they're people actually well known so if anyone's watching this they might have heard of someone named leon cass who's a renowned uh professor of philosophy and done a lot in ethics and um Gentleman named Eugene Genlin, who developed this teaching technique called focusing uh, um, and sort of experiential body-based psychotherapy work. And they were very encouraging of just my interests. And um so I thought maybe this rolling thing's worth trying. And I went down that road and it, you know, became a really good vehicle for me. Um or my professional life because I like the lifestyle, you know, so to speak. I mean, it's challenging. You're working for yourself. So that's got its downsides. You know, you're not employed. You're you're self-employed. And so I I haven't had a I haven't been employed by someone since I was 24, um, which has its own stresses. But uh, it's also great because you're, you know, set your own structure and work life. Um, but I entered it in part because it was like, oh, that's a good career. I also, the idea of working with health and bodies was nice for me, but it seemed important for something about my own conscious development. And um, around that same time, I was looking for a real spiritual community and home. And had found it in you know little ways here and there. And... Um, I was doing Rolfing for a couple of years, and a friend and mentor of mine, a Rolfer who had been probably at that point practicing for 25 years, and I we'd done had some work from him, and we mentored me a bit. At one point, he said, "Well, you know, you seem like the kind of person you might like this thing. It's called the Diamond Approach." And you know, and there's a guy starting a new group in the area, and he wrote down his name and and gave me the name of uh the book essence at that time there weren't a lot of books out maybe three or so and uh, i had a lot of respect for my friend and mentor and so i got the book and really you know liked the book a lot was i can't say it was like transformative but it was like yeah this guy's on to something and i like the clarity and curiosity in it and the precision and i went to a weekend that was Done. You know, I was like, "Yeah, that this is this is it," and I like, what's the next thing? So I'll keep going. Um, but all along, the work with the body has been an important piece. It's not the only piece, but a really important piece. And for my own journey as a student on the path, and now my also how I work as a teacher. Um, in sessions with students and leading groups. And I also am one of the people who teach the diamond body practice. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but it's a a system of movement work that we use in the school that uh, people can use to support their journey on the path. So they're very, they're very woven together for me. Very important.
0: Wow. A fascinating journey, it seems like, and Uh, I'm curious about how you've observed your body transform over the years of working with it so intimately.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what comes to mind right away. A lot less tension. Yeah, a lot and a lot more presence. Yeah. Um, So in terms of tension, you know to be struck by how much uh i mean there's tension that bodies have my body had just from you know life activities and repetitive activities and so much rooted in psychological binding that the we don't are who we are doesn't have a difference between you know when we're angry and our teeth are clenched that is our anger in our clenched teeth you know or our We're angry and our face is placid, but we're clenching in our chest or our body in some way. Um, And so that just sort of opening that up, right? Mm. And then more presence, like that the body, even though I was doing a lot with the body and I was sensitive to the body, um, oriented to it, it's still very much in the beginning and for a long time relating to the body as an object, something that I have, something that carries me from thing to thing. Mm. Um, and a long process of discovering the body as an expression of me. and it's the uh you know the sensitive form of me that contacts the world Mm. the world without i wouldn't know i wouldn't see you right my eyes are seeing you my lips are making words and i'm sensing the pleasure in my chest and you know, just all these elements that the body has.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So waking up to the the life of that, or in more and more ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the body itself feels more on the one hand more substantial, like just there and yet much lighter at the same time, uh, even though I weigh more. <laughs> I have more pounds on my body than I did 30 years ago. Not a lot more, but you know, you know, I weigh a bit more. But the lightness, there's a lightness in, in being, and at the same time, it's a lightness that feels substantial and dynamic. Hmm.
0: That 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 does make sense to me. Uh, I've had my own journey with my body, which has primarily been through yoga, which has profoundly yeah. supported my. Yeah, freeing up tension and so forth. So I can relate to
1: what you're saying. Yeah. No, it's at night, you know, we could talk about at some point or now, you know, how different systems evoke different expressions of wake awakeness in the body. Mm. Right. So, yeah. yoga, I did, I was pretty serious about yoga for a long time and and other movement modalities. You know, think about yoga. You, I mean, people do yoga for lots of reasons, all good you know exercise it could be a fitness thing could be a vanity thing it makes my body look a certain way mm. the uh you know a mental thing like just more focused, more relaxed it could be a sense of something emotional something about and something about connecting to spirit but yoga itself comes out of uh, out of a whole spiritual tradition right and that informs even if you're whatever level you're doing it at there's a little bit of that in it right? Yeah. Versus if you were really into Tai Chi, you know, can evolve, you could enter for all the same reasons, but that comes out of another. You no, know, Hinduism is very different. Mm. and You know, the, the soil of that, came, you know, was the roots of Tai Chi. And most spiritual teachings have some kind of movement work associated with them um, to, you know, support that journey and the diamond approach is no different you know there's movement practices that we can learn we call it these diamonds the diamond body practice that again have a certain benefit you know for being on the path
2: Hmm.
0: yeah the the visuals that i get when you speak about these, particularly the different logoi and the different teachings and how they usually have um, a diamond practice or a body practice that comes with it is um i got visuals of geometry as if each teaching has its own geometry and when you participate in that geometry the whole mandala of that teaching impacts you in some way even though you might be in it for a different reason
1: yes yeah yeah i yeah i resonate with that and yeah and they can they can influence each other but yes there is a certain kind of geometry Mm. certain kind of uh, organization to them that influence our particular way we you know wake up you know, mm. experience more of our essential nature for sure for sure hmm.
0: do you have any aspects or facets of the teaching of the diamond approach that you particularly have a curiosity about something that has that you felt that you've dived in, into particularly you mean like lately or like over the whole time
2: yeah yeah
0: even late or lately or over the whole time
1: i <laughs> sure i shouldn't have offered the second one because it's like so many things yeah uh yeah uh i mean the whole path is interesting i'll say i'll answer it a couple of ways on one hand the whole path is interesting to me yeah uh, um, and um, so it's dependent on where I've been at in the in the teaching. So in this, you know, as you know, as your student in the school, it's a big teaching. There's there's a lot in it. It's it's uh, has a lot of breadth and depth um, and nuance. Um, you know, it's as you know, it's why we call it the one of the reasons we call it Diamond Approach. It's factored. in. There's a lot of facted. Um, and so when I'm in sort of my student mode of being on, in the path, which is, you know, basically all the time, but particularly if I'm on a retreat, you know, I'm receiving a teaching, you know, that teaching is like, yeah, this is where I'm at. I want to, I'm into this. I want to know about this and experience it. And then it circles back over time. Um, so that for sure, just over time. Um, I'd say for myself personally, what holds, what's holding my attention most last month's year or so or two um, is what I could call integrating a view of, uh, well, the colloquial term was integrating a view of non-duality. But that's, you know, that word gets used in a lot of different ways. Um, But what is it to live from a view of, uh, who's experiencing is not separate from anything that's being experienced mm. and a dimensionalness to that. Like it's, it's not just a view, it's not just what I'm seeing. It's not just what's seen. It's not just what's thought it's actually the literal palpable sensation that what I am is not, is everything. And that everything is dynamic, full and fulgent and expresses itself in different ways. And sometimes it shifts in orientation, but there's a certain kind of freedom and delight in that and newness. There's a, I mean, I've had those experiences many times over many years, but there's something about the last year. It's about landing in it in a really long way. Like it's like something's like this needs to. I need to check this out for quite a while. There's something happening here, um, and to challenge beliefs I didn't know I had about you know what things are. And um, so it's been uh, actually a, a source of great pleasure and and support. Actually, yeah, so that's what's been holding my attention lately beautiful i feel this is very relevant
0: for what i am curious about at the moment and i wanted to ask what or or does any belief come to mind that you've had to challenge in particular that you feel has been relevant relevant so
1: yeah relevant to what i was just talking about yeah um i would say the one that comes to me right now is the belief that i'm the word the word that comes to mind is authority or ownership. at different levels, at many levels, s- exposing a belief that I'm that there's someone owning this experience or responsible for this experience or not able to own it, but wants to own it. And is feeling afraid of not having ownership of it. Um, some sense of. You know, it comes to mind like it's like the, the we've all been We're you know, we, we're all kids once, right? And we're all maybe still have that in us to some degree. And that sense that someone, you know, can do something, like give you a cookie or something. And right then you think you own it. Like it's yours. And if someone takes that from you, it's not like you feel like someone's taken something from you. Like it feels like it's, it's not. It feels like personal. Yeah.
2: You
1: no. Know? And it's like, no, that's mine. Even though someone just gave it to you. All of a sudden the ownership wraps around it. Like yeah. that sense. Of, no, it's mine. He took my toy. It's not like he took a toy or my cookie. He took my toy, my cookie. That sense of my, how quickly my wraps things. Hmm. So there's some emotion present, and this is my emotion, right? There's some situation happening, and there's my relationship to that experience. I'm, there's an owning of it in some way. And maybe the ownership is feels weak, like that little kid in me who had the toy taken or the cookie and, you know, someone took it. (gasps) I I don't my ownership's being threatened. I, you know, I don't feel I feel vulnerable in my ownership. Or maybe I feel, oh, this is mine. You can't come into my space. You know, you're in my space. You need to back off. All those kinds of ways of sort of wrapping our experience in some way. And um, so that's been, a, you know, just seeing that in a of different ways.
0: Very fascinating thread. Very
1: fascinating thread. And it, I just add, there's nothing wrong with that view. Yeah. You know, in fact, it's a really important development to have that view. You know, like it's, you know, when you, when you see a kid, I don't know if you have kids. I have kids and we've all been kids, you know, so you, and you've seen other people's kids. Before that stage, you know, you're just, you know, there's more openness and emptiness and presence, but there's less of a person, you know, individuated yet. When a kid starts to say mine and not, you know, we might react to it different ways, but there's a little part of us that's like, yeah, good job. You know, it's like, it serves a purpose. It helps us kind of own our experience. We need to own our experience for a long time. So we can establish ourselves in the world and how we fit in with other people and, make our way mm. but it's not an inherent feature of our nature it's something we develop yeah and we become identified with it yeah no it's good that i know that i own the car that i drive and it's not i don't just leave it open and the keys there and someone else takes it like you know it's it makes life work you know and i also know that you own that one i'm not gonna just walk in and step into it right away Mm. but it's a way it serves a sort of view of oneself that eventually over time you don't have to force it you start to see oh that's a bit of at one point that serves me and another point it's actually a barrier to some other experience of things how do you
0: view the the concept of accountability within that concept context
1: yeah yeah so that's good so when there's more sense of we'll call it the minus the owningness may I pull back the lens a little bit uh you know and so in the diamond approach there are we you might you might have come across this you know that we call four big turnings in the school right there's four big big chapters of teaching and the first chapter and the chapters overlap and interpenetrate but the first chapter is a lot about discovering that our what's what's most real about us are our, our inherent inner nature and that that what's most real about us is being presence and from that it's a great chapter you know and we circle most that's so super important to have that discovery. And a second chapter is recognizing that presence is everything. It's another chapter. When you're in more of that first chapter, ownership's important and accountability is important. You know, it's part of the development of that chapter. You know, it's like, I'm being accountable for my development. I'm accountable for my feelings. I'm accountable. And what I'm not accountable for, that's, no, that's not mine. That's yours. You know, I don't need to take that, you know, <laughs> um, and there can be a sense of respect and respect for myself, right? And respect for you. Um, sense of mutuality, sense of diversity. All that fits in there. On um, the second chapter, the accountability is more like. Some, you could say in some ways it doesn't make sense as a concept, um, yeah. but not a license to do things that are uh, from the first chapter would not be accountable. Hmm. So that often happens to sometimes to, pe- to people, you know, they get, they're in the second chapter and I don't mean it like seconds better than first or, but it's like they're in sort of that, that second phase and there's stuff in the first phase that hasn't been processed or worked through. And like, well, I'm, I'm everything, so I can walk off with your car, or I can insult you, or I, you know, why why are you taking this so personal? We're all, it's all one ocean. Mm. You're wrecking, when you have both of them, they're more, the, you're inherently kinder, you're inherently more respectful of others and yourself, because it's, you're relate, who you're relating to is you all the time. You know, I'm not going to harm you, because it's harming me. But mm. it's not you and me as separate. I mean it's not like there's two of us at that level. So yeah. I just depends on where you're at on the journey. And and you know, and the journey is not linear for most of us. You know, it's usually like we're kind of here for a bit, and we travel to this new solar system, and we come back to this one and then go that, you know, like they tend to kind of influence each other.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, what comes up for me as we speak about this is um The possibility of moving into the second chapter without having thoroughly integrated and developed within the first chapter so there is some elements of if some if there is some elements of bypassing of certain aspects of the first chapter then that that can spill into um, a situation where there is some realization of 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 the boundless dimensions of non-duality while there are certain blind spots in the in the personal uh space that get into some trouble
1: beautiful yeah i that's that yes exactly right And, and you know one of the features of the diamond approach is its focus on the how what does it mean to be personal to really be a person from all these chapters you know so yeah and and you get so it's important you might recognize Oh, I, there's a blind spot here, or something that hasn't been processed or thoroughly, you know, metabolized. Yeah, you know, I can pay attention to that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and bypass is a good word. You know, we we have our, which is different than like. You know, some of us just might more tend towards one chapter than another just by our nature. But there's another. Sometimes some of us like I just don't want to deal with that because it's a little too. It's it's beneath me. What really what we're saying it's like I don't want to feel that yucky. That feels that feels yucky to me. Hmm. I'm not quite able to have, and it's going to affect us. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so within the question of the the second chapter, which is basically the the boundless dimensions, the dimensions of non duality. What was the journey of that, that that dimension opening up for you? Was there like a shift that happened? Is that So what's, can you speak more to that?
1: Uh, If I'm honest, I don't quite know actually you know it's uh as you asked me that question i'm remembering a short version of my history with those kinds of views you know first maybe first maybe glancing at them in my 20s and you know was wow that's interesting and i want to be there or wow i don't get it or whatever just was like a comet in the sky just interesting yeah um and whether I idealized it or romanticized about it or whatever I thought, it wasn't long on my radar because I had other my own orienta- I was in other areas. And now I'm remembering when I first had long teachings on this. You know, my my home, the group that I was a part of, you know, meeting several times a year. We spent you know we'd done several years in that first chapter. You know, really profound stuff and. And then we started a several year journey on the second chapter. We're calling it second turning. And I was, again, lo- this is, this is great. You know, this is what I'm really interested in. Not the other stuff was great too. And um, So I was jazzed by it then. I was, and I was a bit more battle with it. So it was a bit more like I could get tastes of it. I could, you know, experience it. But just here, I'm talking about it. I could experience it. I got tastes of it. You know, there's someone still having all those experiences. That was an ownership. <laughs> Talk about the the minus of it. Yeah, this is my experience. Yeah, and language sort of breaks down because it's like my still fits as a word. Like it's my experience, and not it's not necessarily your experience or my my you know friend's experience or my you know my co-worker's experience. Yeah, but that you know, but that went on for a few years and. And honestly, I think as I, as I think about it right now, so I had those teachings for a long time, right? In a lot of different ways. And then I became a teacher in the Diamond Approach. And being a teacher, particularly at least you know, my experience, you know, in these years I've been doing it, a lot of your work as a teacher is in that first chapter of people for a while yeah, you know, because that's where they're at. And then if you're teaching groups and I co-lead, teach some groups, the first things you're doing are that first chapter of work. So I would had all that second chapter of stuff, but I was like, well, the second turning stuff. And I'm back in the first turning again. And I was like, oh, oh, that, oh, I was just more able to, like, they just worked me in a new way. Mm. I have to teach it, to have to sit with it. And, you know, maybe it's also being older. You know, I started in this work when I was young, I was in my twenties and So who knows? A lot of factors come into it. Yeah. But I think that really had a profound effect, you know, being in those. I, I think I know I can feel it. I can feel And you asked me earlier, how's my experience in my body changed over the years? You know, I wouldn't have been able to name it at the beginning. But looking back, there was a very hard shell of my there was a way my body was just It's as though the body itself had a in, in, the inner body you could call it was a hardness. and so things can only penetrate that so much. It didn't matter how flexible my tissues were you know, but something of like the innerness of the s- cells were just hard, you know like like a, like a like a, like a seashell, you know, hard and that had changed. And so when I get those earlier, those first turning teachings again, penetrated more deeply. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then I, you know, I wasn't looking for next things to happen. Hmm. But then as that, the, that, that seashells start to soften, this other view starts coming in more completely. Hmm. But there's less of a barrier. Yeah. You know, but it was all that work, you know, and, and, uh, and not from the view of like well if i do this particular work i'll get to that piece of work it was more like just kind of being in the in it and 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 all the while there is a logic
0: to to everything you're saying that is yeah me profound and also speaks you know speaks to the the potency and the intelligence of the teaching and how it works a soul i mean
1: (laughs) that is uh profound. <laughs> it's a real gift of the teaching that there's that the, there's a that you have people who are able to guide that, you know, yeah. help guide them through it. Not that they know it but they can just be with you and maybe have some sense of what's happening with as a teacher or, you know, that kind of thing. But also that that sense of, oh, this this fits in here, you know, you're in a place. This is a place. It's it's happening. And it can relate to these other things. Let's find out what that is for you let's open to that. So even though even when you feel lost, it's like, Oh, lost? Yeah, that's here. That's part of this. Let's go into Mm, great.
2: great.
0: Okay, so now this beautiful question about bringing presence bringing realization into everyday life, bringing it into spaces, situations where you're potentially in environments where people are not open in that way, maybe even resistant to it, bringing it into situations that may be um, quite complex. I mean, I would say certain work situations are quite complex, because there are so many people that you interact with, there is an agenda, there are expectations. Yeah. I would love to hear more about your perception and experience and journey with uh, contemplating chewing and actually and also bringing that into life what what have you discovered
1: yeah uh, there's a lot there we have actually there are whole retreats on that question yeah whole retreat like days of exploring that question yeah um so some things you know one is, there are you know, fundamental practices that we have in the diamond approach. Inquiry is the primary practice, right? Yeah. It's open-ended exploration of your experience. But a foundational practice is the sensing and looking and listening practice. And, and that's foundational. It's not the primary, but it's the foundation. Mm. You know? the, the primary doesn't take off without the foundation. Um, so learning about what it really means to be actually sensing yourself and what that means. Like, you know, we often say like, you know, if nothing else, sensing your arms and legs, like literally just aware of the sensations, not aware from them in your mind that might be happening, but in the location of your arms and legs, that the sensing is aware of itself in your arms and legs as you move through your day as mm. your activities and you'll find it's it's not easy, you know, uh, to be that aware, um, to have part of your awareness, half, whatever, whatever the amount is within your own experience as you're doing things. So that leads to another practice we do called life practice. And um, where you know all groups will do that, at, start that at some point where you practice sensing while doing simple tasks. Mm. You now, and you start with really simple tasks and the point isn't to complete the task. You know, so it's like maybe. You know, cleaning a window. Right. Or straightening your room or folding your laundry. It's not paying your bills, not returning. Like th- Those are more complicated or mental activities, something simple that you do already do. You know, washing your dishes but doing it less with the focus on completing the task and more on being in the sensing as you do the task. So you're bringing more presence into your everyday life. Hmm. Those are big for bringing uh, more of, and you could call it an embodied realization into your life. Hmm. And back to the point of your body, your body is the vehicle for living your realization. As long as you're alive, I mean, I'm you know, separate for what happens after you die. And, you know, you're here now, the realization is going to happen through your body, the manifestation of it, the actualization of it. So it's taking the time to practice and bring that kind of sensing into our, into our experience. And post retreat, how have you applied that practice yourself? Can you speak to that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll just say, you know, post retreat can sometimes be a really hard time for people, you know, not for everybody, you know, but I've speaking for myself, you know, for years, there's the high of the retreat, the expansion, the openness of the retreat. And there can be a contraction sometimes afterwards. So just to acknowledge that, you know, that you're not you're not off base if that's what happens to you. Um, So some making space for your experience after the retreat. It could be, you know, some practical things when the retreat's over, we, you know, to leave some time at the end of the retreat to be part of the retreat experience. So one of the advantages of having a retreat you physically go to, and there are many, is that the return time is part of your transition, right? You have that travel back. Right, and you're in the world a bit more. So if you're doing a retreat online, or your retreat group's close to your house, or whatever it is, you know, scheduling your life if if you can in such a way that I have some space after the retreat's done, and maybe I have to go. Maybe I get home and I'm a parent. I gotta get right in it with my kids when I get home. My my wife's been carrying the load while I've been away, and or I've got just work I got to get to, or that happens, and you know. Maybe, maybe you plan a time, you know, a few days later for uh, this is, I'm gonna have some integration time there. You know, I'll I'll sit, I'll meditate, maybe I'll do an inquiry with a friend, something to kind of bring it forward a bit more. Um but that's the practical piece of the sensing practice. You know, you finish your retreat, you know, the thing you do the next day when you wake up is you start the day with you know, you're lying in bed or sitting at the edge of your bed or, and you do that, you this, we have the sensing practice that we do, you know, from one up one side down the other and bringing in listening and looking and you just, even before you have meditate another time of the day, but just starting with that, just that kind of, it's like welcoming the day in a certain way, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I know some people are like coffee drinkers, you know, like that making the coffee in the morning is a big thing for them, or you Now, getting their, you know, cleaned up before the day starts or getting their suit on. Something people do, like I'm getting a bit more here. I'm kind of waking, maybe they like to do push-ups or whatever. You know, everyone's got their different things. Maybe it's checking email, see where I'm got to deal with. Yeah. Do this is a way to sort of like uh, it's a kind of kindness to ourselves you know mm. it's like the, way, the 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 awakeness is already there but the kind of shellness may have been kind of come back a bit so we're sort of allowing ourselves to get back in touch with our that awakeness so you know be 10 minutes just just to give it a little time set a timer you
2: know
1: get up 10 minutes earlier if you have to yeah just that little supports Mm -hmm. make a big deal
0: yeah again i feel it's very logical i feel i feel in your transmission in in your pearl there is a very there is a is a is a particular kind of clarity that has this very logical practical transmission that is that for me has a lot of earth in it as well it's it's there is uh, a fair bit of earth element that i really enjoy so i really enjoy listening to you and i really enjoy how your mind works and uh, and how you communicate for me it's there's a lot of clarity Glad. Thanks. Appreciate that. I'm glad. I'm glad it's good for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Enjoyable to to listen to, and uh, yeah, just, that just came
1: up for me. Well, you're asking just to underline. You're asking a, a question that most we most most of us will have in some way, but it may not be get explicit. So it's just worth underlining it. That question of like, how do I live my realizations? You could say, or to kind of take even that bit of jargon out how do I take my peak experiences and have them become more a part of my regular life? Mm. Now I have some peak experience of, I've been using the word awakeness, you call presence, you know, that's awesome. You know, whether it was, you know, just cause the sun was a certain way that day and you're touched by the beauty of the sun or you were on a retreat, how do I bring that forward, you know, into, so it actually isn't just a thing that I remember. But actually, becomes more who I am. Mm. Mm. Would you say that you've uh,
0: applied the the typology of the Enne- or the Enneagram work a lot in your
1: life? Some. I'm Some. not a huge Enneagram person, but I'm I'm capable enough. Yeah. <laughs> but primarily for your own uh, for your own development. Uh... Primarily for that, and um, I don't. I don't tend to go to the Enneagram view when I'm thinking about working with students, for example. Yeah. Not, you know, I can, if I need to, I, I can do it. Yeah. Uh, And, um, but I hold the Enneagram um, as extremely potent. And I remember having teachings on it and being quite moved by it. Yeah. I also hold it pretty lightly at the same time. Um, and I, was, in part because of my own journey, with my own understanding of my own kind of type on the Enneagram, and it's moved around. You know, I wasn't sure. I, I still don't pin myself in one spot. I mean, there's certainly ones I'm not likely that way and I'm more this way. Yeah. But it was so useful for me to be like, oh, I thought it was this, I thought it was that, and to really believe that and work it for a long time. And, and one of the teachings of the Enneagram, at least as I understand it, is that even though we have a predominant type, you know, you might know yourself as an, a three, you know, or a nine or whatever. We have all the types in us yeah. now. And to really, you know, explore the Enneagram completely is to explore your expression of each of the types. But I also know, I I'll say one more thing at the Enneagram, I have, you know, good friends and to see how the enneagram was so useful for them to you know this explains a lot about me <laughs> kind of thing yeah. like it both gave them like it relaxed something in them like i don't i don't have to be so hung up about this but also gave them like some okay let me go a little further about it mm. that's that's impressive you know when you see that Are you impressed by the enneagram itself you mean or yeah it's impressive that people find a tool like that that they can go in it into it with yeah um so yeah that's my my experience with the enneagram it's it's not a top shelf thing i use you know And it's you know i appreciate it though good (laughs) yeah beautiful
2: um Can I ask about
0: what you're experiencing right now when you're communicating when you're sharing? What is it that's flowing through you? What 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 is the substance of your experience right now?
1: Mm. Space, kind of spaciousness, kind of a dense space, and joy, enjoyment. Pleasure, relaxation, lots of things. But those the, the dense space is the is strong thing. It's like a sense of and it's you know in in my body and beyond in my physical body, but also beyond it, you know, into the physical space in front of me. You know, I'm sitting in front of a screen, you know, is it two or three feet to the screen? I'm looking at there's the image of you, and I see your room behind you, and I see the, the window behind you, and there's trees. So it kind of extends into the visual space. And it's as though that that dense um it's clear. It's a dense, clear space that feels like it's ever it's in everything. And everything's sort of a surface of it. Hmm. Well, just, you know, and on a personal level, it's also like, you know like, what's, what's the next thing that's going to happen enjoying the conversation, you know, you're easy to talk to, you know, yeah. so it's nice to have a conversation, nice to talk about this stuff. Mm. Yeah, so cool. yeah, that makes me, it brings about a
0: sweetness to my heart when you say that. Um, initially, when we started this conversation, you brought up the question of identity. And we yeah. within the context of what you're experiencing now, what is the sense of your identity? I don't have one.
2: Mm.
1: Um I mean I know there's a label Greg that is a name tag that I have. And uh I know I have roles and I was speaking from this location, this current experience. Yeah. But um well, I mean the identity is the is the dense space. That's what I am. Yeah. But it's not exactly who's talking at the same time. So it's I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's sort of a puzzle to me. Hmm. And there'll be, you know, there'll be more exploration of that as time goes by on my own, you know, I'm just kind of unfolding. But yeah, so it's my identity right now is um, I know who I am in terms of my life know, I know like the person who is has a life that, you know, I'm married to this person, I have these kids, I live in this place, you know, I have this, you know, these strengths and challenges and all these things. Um so that's I'm aware of all, I can be aware of all that. And who's living that life is not you know, a thing, maybe that's a good way to put it Mm. at the moment. That's the experience. It's like a, it's like it's like more like this dynamic, you know, fluid. I mean, to put it in spiritual lingo, it's like I am an extension of reality. Let's put it that way. That's what I am. Some people say, like, you're a, a god finger. You know, it's not like you're God, but you're a finger.
2: Hmm.
0: Would, you, would you say that there are, and we, we also touched upon the question of ownership. Do you feel that that apply in any way to how you're experiencing yourself in this moment?
1: Um, I could use the word ownership in the sense that I, quote, own this life of like it's my responsibility. you're talking about accountability responsibility yeah you know I'm accountable and responsible you know to like I' um, you know being married I mentioned a parent you know, you know living in this location So in that sense there's that kind of that level of ownership yeah 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 beautiful. But nothing owns the the spirit, per se. Mm. Mm. But both are true. I mean, it's, I think it's important. I just feel moved to say, you know, when you lose something in your life, if you do, that hurts sometimes. You know, it's like not a bad thing or a sign of spiritual maturity that like you suffer because you know someone you love dies or. You know, you have, or you don't get something that you really wanted, or, and also the delights and getting things you wanted, or having someone come into your life. All that's fine, and uh, your reality doesn't need to be mono, reduced to something monolithic. Can you elaborate on that? The last part. Well, this gets into the fourth chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Uh, That um, reality—what's real, what's happening—you know—the depth of it is so interesting, so dynamic that it. It doesn't have, it doesn't need to, it doesn't reduce itself to one thing. You can experience it that way. You can experience, and that's one way reality can show itself. It's this is the presence of reality. This is the total, this everything is pure, substantial awareness and presence. That's it. You know, you might just live your life that way. But that doesn't negate the possibility that that it's also expressing itself at the exact same time as emptiness you know it's very different than that sort of substantial awareness and it doesn't negate other kinds of ways reality expressing and showing itself so it's i think that actually speaks to the ownership piece like that one of the reasons we can hold on to subtle ownership is that we believe that i'll finally get to a place and that is the end and now i have it yeah even if the eye has been thinned out a lot You know, if you got to this place, well, the the eye still likes it. Like, oh, I got my cookie. You know, I got that toy. Yeah, just happens to be the boundless nature of reality, and it's beautiful and it's and totally Mm -hmm. fun. But reality has more tricks up its sleeves. Up its sleeve. Yep, you got it. And it can I can show yourself myself another way to you. Mm -hmm. That's completely feel like it. And you're like, wait a second, how can I have this? That's totally it. But there's this, and it's totally, you know, and me. So it's not monolithic that way. Mm. Doesn't have to be just one thing. Yeah. Well
0: said. This is a different question. What, in everyday life, do you feel, what are some of the activities or habits or rhythms that you have to keep yourself healthy and your brain sharp or to to keep yourself, you know,
2: yeah.
1: Well, uh, I just, yeah, uh, well, you know, some basic things that are, they're basic because they're basically, like they're foundational, you know, generally try to eat sort of well, you know, uh, get good, get rel- relatively good sleep. Um, don't over medicate, but get healthcare if you need it. Um, you know, take care of your health. Those are, I mean, really gotta say that that's like, gotta get those down. Um, you know, if you're having troubles, like start with some basic stuff, you know, am I, am I, you know, eating pretty well, not being rigid about it, am I kind of getting good rest? Am I, do I need some sort of health care or whatever, taking care of stuff? for me, the body piece, as we talked about, mattered a lot in terms of my own kind of waking upness, and, I, and that's not true for everybody. Um, but for me, there's certain movement practices I like to do, and do, and uh, exercise, and that keeps my body healthy and sharp. It also keeps my mind sharp. I like to read, you know, and and that's you know just different stuff like that, you know, staying engaged and. um. Being exposed to other, the nice thing about being in a school like this is you're exposed to other people who, you know, you realize they're really devoted to their the journey and the path and they're on it. And you find, wow, that's how you do it? That's how you stay engaged? Oh, it's like just so different. It doesn't make any sense to how that would work for you, but it works for them. Yeah. And it opens you up in some way. Can you
0: have some examples that you would be willing to share about something that surprised you?
1: Um, you know, I'm wishing I could remember the content. And if it comes forward, I'll remember, but I remember the situation. One of the first times I felt this way, this is a long time ago, like, at least 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And I was in an inquiry exercise with two other people and doing some sort of monologue process. And Um, the other, you know, I was, I, maybe I'd done my piece, I don't know. And someone was doing their piece and I just kind of dawned on me, like their way of exploring themselves is just, I just don't get it,
2: Hmm. but
1: like I don't get it. Like they're doing it wrong. I think before that I would have said, I don't get it. And they're doing it wrong. Like that kind of shell of me, like, well, they're not doing it. It's not work. Like I project myself into them. Well, it's not, that wouldn't work for me. So obviously it can't be working. Sort of like it's sort of an ego's monolithic view. Right. (laughs) And so that you know, I'd had that view for a while. And somehow that started to soften some. And I'm paying attention. And I don't think I'd even realize that view had softened. But the person's doing their inquiry, and I'm probably sitting there, maybe that shell was still, I was like, well, they're not getting anywhere because it wouldn't work for me. I'm not, it just had that sort of slightly subconscious, that feeling like that wouldn't work. That's not gonna work, you know. And then something just kind of, I just remember the feeling coming forward in me of like, wait a second, it's maybe 10 minutes. Something's really opening in them. I can totally see it and feel it. All that stuff I'm thinking about, it can't be true because it's working. What is it about? How do they do that? You know, what's happening for them? It's just so other, the otherness of it. You know, it reminds me, I don't know, maybe you've seen this movie. Uh, uh, it's on, I think it's on Netflix now. Uh is called my octopus teacher. A lot of people have seen like this. I've seen that one, yeah, very, yeah. And that sense of like being in touch with another animal, right? Who's so different in this case, a human and an octopus. And it's like the octopus know the world and experience things, and you can't help but sort of project and imagine. People are like that, you know. Like we're like we're like our bodies are all basically relatively the same. You know, you probably have two arms and two legs, and you got a torso and a head and all that. Yeah. But the inner body, wow, really different. And to learn to sense and look at it and and wonder, like, what's happening? What what makes it work for them? Um, Quite significant impact. Um, And I I think that comes for a lot of us, you know, just based on our own upbringing, where we learn, like, this is how it is to live in the world. You know, we are shaped a certain way. Yeah. Maybe it's a little looser for some. Maybe some of us have a bit more open upbringing, where it's like, well, this is how we do it in our house. But you see how in their house they do it that way, right? Right. But another, it's like in my home, it was like a certain way of functioning was really valued. Yeah. And that developed a certain thing, but also other ways were not as valued.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And so you end up look, and you just can't help but have that. You know, it affects you when you're young. So that takes a while to kind of let that widen out a bit
0: interesting can we can we try something it's called a quick fire it's a quick okay. fire repeating no not, not a quick re- repeating question but a quick fire question where I, I i quick fire a question and then you answer something okay <laughs> <laughs> whatever comes to you like right. that taste to it huh okay what inspires you love what makes you angry?
1: Uh, not getting what I want. What do you love? Oh, what do I love? Uh, sweetness. You know, sweetness, kindness. What do you often think about? What do I often think about? I don't have. I don't know. Got empty on that one. How long would you like to live? Uh, into my eighties, at least.
0: what is the what is your view on the world
1: my view on the world well i I don't know if you mean like politically or my my view on the world the quickfire answer is the world is is me i mean i'm viewing myself Mm. what do you like to eat ice cream (laughs) that's the first one right there
0: What do you dislike in
1: life? Uh, the discomfort, like just physical discomfort. Yeah. What's the um, worst kind of discomfort that you know? Well, uh, I'm remembering a time I had the terrible stomach flu. I'm remembering a time in my childhood of, you know, my my appendix ruptured when I was ten. That was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. You know um what about our like
0: what kind of how would you say that your materialism comes to expression
1: i just got a great new car
0: yeah i think that's good (laughs) (laughs) how was that for you
2: fun! fun. Uh,
1: what kind of car did you get yeah. you know what I got is I got an electric a total electric vehicle called the uh Hyundai Ionic 5 it's called
0: oh man that's a good car man
1: so nice I've never had a car like that you know I've I've been you know I, I you know I my last my previous car was a minivan you know I have kids and all that kind of stuff it's so like the minivan's done it's so like it's and it's so it's so I mean I did you know partly it's like you know I'm being a good environmentalist to care in that way but you know I don't know how much impact it actually has but I still feel it feels good to do that yeah and you that kind of thing but it just it's such a it's such a nice ride Mm. and i I plug it in at home i mean you know it's so nice Uh, yeah i've
0: driven it myself my 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 brother has it yeah yeah my elder brother has it and i used to work uh with um at a childcare facility and they had an ionic five so i used to drive that uh, <laughs> a, you know it's a great ride wow it's a great ride man yeah. and is is
1: um, electric cars getting more popular in the states now yeah i don't know how it compares to other countries but yeah for sure i mean it's and they put out more um there's more there's more uh what's the word uh more choices yeah um, and uh, the federal government has put out new you know tax incentives and rebates, so you know that helps with things. and it's just all kind of going in that direction, hopefully more and more. and and obviously still you know the vast majority of cars are gas or you know things like that. But yeah, every day you see more and more electric cars on the road. and mm. yeah and, and I, I'd say nothing not a material thing about the ionic five. The way that that thing can go, like this, I, I didn't know that about those cars. I, I, I had no idea that they had like this crazy fast acceleration. I'm not, I'm not, I don't yeah. tend to do that way. Yeah, but I couldn't help myself for the first three weeks because I'm like, boom,
0: sport. Yeah,
1: it's just crazy.
0: And and and, and all
1: the energy is right there, right in the wheel. So
0: for sure. And when you put it on sport, it, like how ah. it moves, oof. <laughs> Great experience of life, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, and my I have- daughter was asking my daughter. My, son my son has. Uh, I have an older son. the big age gap, and so he drives one of our older cars, and he has to get an oil change. Yeah. So yeah, that my younger daughter, my daughter who's very young, is like, so when do you have to get an oil change on your car? And i was like, it doesn't need an oil change. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have doesn't run on an engine. And she's like, well, how how's it work? You know, it's this great conversation about you know these sorts of things
0: yeah very good. And um, do, you, uh, do you do or do you personally engage with newspapers, the political landscape, w- the events of the world, the state of the world? what's your what's your take on that?
1: yeah i'm a, I'm read I'm a big in the news, maybe maybe a little less than I used to. Uh, more than a little, but i I am very aware of I read a lot. I'm you know both like you know in the states, you know, it's like the New York Times is a major one, you know, plenty of things online, Washington Post, NPR and other things and uh, i'm on I'm on Twitter, you know, even though it's a kind of ugly place at times, but there's people who put out interesting stuff. i I like to read that stuff I you know, and periodicals and yeah, i'm I'm very aware. At least I'm aware of through that lens. You know, I yeah. can't say I have a total view, yeah. but uh, yeah.
0: Do you have a Do you have a perspective, an opinion, a felt sense of your observation of what's what's happening?
1: Yeah, I I don't have a final view or authoritative view. I'm I'm very aware of enjoying and wanting to know. I mean, part of it's wanting to know because you know I'm a citizen and I vote, and you know, and I know care about certain issues and want to know what's happening And yeah um so there's that level part of it's just like fascinating you know and i'm wanting to know at that level and sometimes i can be more optimistic sometimes a little more pessimistic mostly i don't know it's like i don't know where it's going yeah uh, and um You know, sometimes I'm viewing it more through the lens of, oh, these particular individuals are having a big impact, good or bad, right? And other times it's more the view of like, these individuals are more a part of a large system at work, like ants of a colony, you know, and to see it more of a system view of things. Like, you take something like, you know, again, I'm not an expert on these things, but like, you know, climate change and the effect it's going to have on migration and people yeah. moving. You know, having to leave their you know homes to go to other places, and how that affects other countries, and and what what reactions to that, and and then reactions on reactions to that, and um, you know, living in the United States, you know, I'm much more aware of the political social situation here. I I could never you know if I go back six seven years and say, well, here's the things that are going to happen in the next seven years, like, really, yeah. And then you go through it and then you look back, like, oh, well, that does, I can see the logic looking back, but I couldn't tell you where it's going. Hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, and I care about it, though. And I want to know and have the degrees that I can have influence. Actually, I've thought about this, you know, a lot of different times, less so lately, but you know, what's my role in these things? Yeah. You know? And um. Should I be doing more things? Should I be, you know, what should I be doing to help and be useful and, and what's good for me and all these things? Um, and for a while now, what I realize is what I'm doing is good for the whole situation to my degree, you know, and it so happens that what I'm doing is I'm a teacher in this school and that is good for those. It's good for the people that it touches, you know? it's good for me, you know, it benefits me when I'm also I also grow when I'm doing that stuff. Um, that's my main work. These days, I, I mean, we talked about my body work, there are often I still do that a little, but maybe 5% of my work life. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, you know, I'm a parent and a husband and I have my hobbies and interests and and are they, you know, part of the social fabric? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. And, you know, are they enjoyable for me? Are they good for others? Are they, you know, net positive overall? And I don't think like, I won't do it if I, you know, I just curious about it and I can look at it. It's like, yeah, you know, are these are good things and and I enjoy them and, um, you know, so you, you know, what's a, a a good cliche, you leave the situation a little better than you found it. Not because you're trying to, mm-hmm. but you're just, you know, you're walking in the world in a nice way and, mm. and certain make mistakes and, you know, clean them up when you can. And so it's like, Oh, yeah, I'm I'm doing the things I can do. And, and I care about other things. And, you know, am I going to be, you know, changing in a big way, my my actions, it could happen, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, I don't know, it'll come in a few years, you know, I might feel moved to take up a different action but for now this is the right thing Hmm. wonderful yeah
0: yeah yeah it's so beautiful it's really good to be to, to connect with you and to to both both you know get a sense of the the depth of realization and the curiosity the clarity the, the mystery coming through and also the humanity and how that's such a hallmark of the damned approach in the world, but not of it. So I feel that, you know, that really comes through uh, when yeah. I when
1: I listen to you. Yeah, very much. So. I'm glad you bring that, that view in, in the world, not of it view. Yeah. 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 I like, you know, I don't know why, but that phrase in the world, you know, it's written as in the world, but not of it. And I've also heard it as in the world and not of it. And I like, and more than, but, yeah. You know, it's like, you're both, you're in the world and you're not of it. That's not yeah. your source you no. Know? And you're in it, you know, you're living. That is good. Yeah.
3: era como dice
2: of dancing huh mm. yeah
0: i mean that music speaks for itself huh
1: beautiful yeah i remember first time i heard that it's great still still beautiful
2: mm. Mm.
0: In terms of um, your offerings, what's, what's, what's alive for you? I mean, I know that you work with students one-to-one, and I, is it true that you have some
1: groups, open groups, that you're teaching in? Yeah, you? so I co-lead uh, two groups that are open to new students. One is based out of uh, Philadelphia, and uh, one's based out of New York City. And they have slightly different formats and uh, different teaching team. So I work with uh, uh, one other teacher, Gina Crago, in Philadelphia. And that group meets, uh, right now, four times a year, like three and a half days, uh, Some usually in person, sometimes online. And the New York group I teach with uh, Alan Whiteman and Noel Goldberg. And that re- meets on a week weekend format, just two days, but uh, six times a year. And it, when it meets in person, the Philadelphia one is at a retreat center, so we can all stay there. The New York one typically is in the city. Um, so, uh, and a little bit online still too. Um, yeah, so they're both lovely groups and open to new students, so I do that. And I work with individual sessions and do small groups. And I also do a lot with the diamond body practice, which is, you know, the, this practice for movement, uh, work for exploring the teaching of the diamond approach really to how the diamond approach can come through the body and also bring, make the, see how the body can be a vehicle for, uh, both exploring the barriers to our realization and also expressing that realization and, uh. So I, you know, uh, lead that practice in different settings, and also lead sort of deeper dives into it. So anyone in the school, there's some of that offered to people who are outside the school. There's the Diamond Approach online has a Diamond Body Practice uh, video series that we put together. But if you're in the school in particular, and you're wanting to do something to support the your body's exploration of this path, um, there's this is a very powerful way to do that and you know there's there's free weekly offerings online for the school people some people's home groups have it um the free offerings online are open to anyone in the school and then there are these little deeper dives some of them are like you know four times you know meet for a short period of time for over four weeks some are what i'm teaching is a bit longer dives into it um and uh really to unpack the richness of the practice and and to have time for people to process and explore the impact of their their breath, their movement, their sensations on their their current state, really, you know, whether that's some obstacle they're dealing with, some you know frustration, some rejection, some resistance, which we all we welcome all that in the path, or some qualities of presence and and uh, openness. But I do a good amount with that as well. I have a, one of those starting up soon. It's a six, three, six meetings, three hours each. That's for people who've been in the work through what's called the Pearl teachings. Um, yeah. other, there are other offerings that are for people for anybody, you know, in the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's good Great. stuff. Is
0: it through the portal? People can find that or down approach online. Dot, uh... um,
1: yeah. So that's a good question. The, uh, the, the, if you go to Diamond Approach Online, the only th- you'll find the offering that was put out to the public, and that's like I don't I think we did six meetings of that. Linda Creer and I did that together. Mm. She's the she's the the developer of the Diamond Body Practice, the primary vehicle for coming into the school and the teaching. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the other offerings um, on the portal, there is a page called Affinity Groups. And uh, so if you log into the portal, um, you have like my portal and like maybe like group stuff, all school stuff. It's either under all school or it's a direct link to affinity groups. But under affinity groups, there's a diamond body practice page and that lists offerings. And there's also an email you can send uh, your name to and you'll get added to a list and you'll be up, get kept up to date on the latest, you know, uh series being offered and and uh you can also ask questions or maybe look to organize an offering if you want to have one in your home group things like that Hmm. fantastic yeah wonderful yeah, so
0: anyone who's curious, go to Approach online or to the portal. And uh, yeah, to simply show up see, see how the I mean, is it is it um, something that
1: you commit to? Or are there some free versions as well? Yeah, so there are free versions that you can just show up um, the we call it the free Monday practice. Um, and you can either come live, it's a it happens at 1230 Eastern Time, so wherever that is for wherever you are in the world. Yeah. But we also Post a recording of that. The, mm-hmm. We update the recording every week, and it's it's a, it's set for about an hour. The half we do a half hour of leading the practice, and that's what's posted. And then there's usually about a 15 minute or so open discussion exploration time. We don't post that part because we you know don't want to have to deal with getting approvals for every person who might say something. Yeah. Um, and but that kind of go further unpacking the practice. So that's free. Yeah. Um, other things that are free online. And if you wanting to have a bit more instruction with it, um, you can just email that you know, diamondbodypractice at gmail.com, or you could email me, um, and I can put you in touch with someone. Um, Greg, my email is greg37k at gmail.com. Mm. Yeah, so it's a lot to open up there. Wonderful, wonderful,
0: Greg. It's been wonderful to be with you, so very insightful and uh, a very enjoyable conversation.
1: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure being with you, Ozzy. I look forward to having more chances to connect with you and wish you good journeys. Wonderful.
0: Likewise, my friend. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you be well. Yeah. Wish you well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.